Let us go to our Lord in prayer. Most gracious God, we give thanks for your good, holy word. We ask by the power of your Holy Spirit at work through this word and in our hearts we might receive your word in ways that nourish us, fill us, shape us, convict us, grow us into your likeness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During this season of Lent, we have looked each week at a different spiritual practice. Some of you are in small groups. You've been reading about a different spiritual practice each week. You've been invited to practice a different practice each week. And and certainly in worship here on Sundays and Wednesday nights, we have looked at scriptures that relate to, illumine, and and undergird these different themes. A couple weeks ago, we looked at the theme of joy and celebration. And last week, the theme of study. This week, hospitality. God's creation is the very first act of hospitality. In fact, we learn in the creation story back in Genesis that that God is abundantly hospitable. Look at the wonder, the beauty, the provision of creation. And you notice in the reading of God's creation story that, that the hospitality is not rushed. It is day by day in this beautiful, ordered Rhythm. Today's Old Testament scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 1 verses 31. It is something of a a summary sentence of the goodness of God's hospitality, God's creation. God saw everything he had made and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament passage comes from Luke chapter 10 verses 38 to 42. Also very much playing on the theme of hospitality. Jesus is walking with his disciples. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted By many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. About three years ago, I was driving northbound down Lombardy. I was driving to visit a friend who was going through a bit of a rough patch. I was going to hang out with this person for just a bit. I had my phone in my right hand, and I was glancing down now and again as I was scrolling for a phone number. I was looking to call a congregant who I know had just been through something and was in recovery. I was driving a few few miles over the speed limit. Nothing crazy, but I was trying to race just a little bit so that I could fit in a quick grocery store run on behalf of of our house and get that in before getting to my friends. Visiting a friend, good thing. 
Calling a congregant. Good thing. Getting the groceries. Good thing. You might even say expected things. I mean, that's what friends do. That's what a pastor does. That's what a spouse does. So I'm speeding down Lombardy with all of these good and expected things. I'm juggling them all at the same time. What what could possibly go wrong? In our passage, Martha is doing many tasks, Luke tells us in verse 40. It's also translated sometimes, uh, much serving. All that she is doing is good and expected. In fact, in that culture, hosts were expected to provide food, shelter, amenities, even protection for any who came their way, who were traveling along. In this case, Jesus and his followers. And so Martha's doing good things. Martha's doing expected things. And yes, it means juggling quite a lot to pull it off. But Jesus has a word about this eventually. After Martha speaks her concern, which we'll come back to. And he says, Martha, Martha. And the repetition of her name is, is really meant to convey a genuine compassion. Martha, Martha. You are worried and distracted about many things. And the word that Jesus uses for distracted literally means divided. You are divided by many things. Your attention is divided among many things. To be sure, Jesus is not critiquing hospitality itself. Far from it. If you read the whole of the Gospel of Luke, you know one of the key aspects commended uh, to Jesus' followers is regular, even radical hospitality. Jesus is not critiquing hospitality. He is critiquing this attention divided among so many good and expected things all while missing the one thing. Martha, Martha, your attention is divided among so many serving things. Bobby, Bobby, your attention is divided among your friend, this congregant, the groceries, safe driving, sometimes church, church. Your attention is divided among so many servings. Job and family and community and committees and minutes and emails and texts and to-do lists and helping out with... Notice, of course, it's not that Martha's attention is divided among bad things, terrible things, poor choices, sinful options. In this case, Jesus is critiquing many good things, serving things... So many that the one thing is not present. And perhaps we want to push back for a moment and we cry, you know, what else, what other option is there? Who else is going to care for my ailing parents? Who else is going to get the children to school and then to the after school thing and then me to work and to respond to the clients and then cover down on these emails and cover down on the committee, this and that and the minutes, volunteer for the mission, this and that, call the grieving friend. Look, life these days, this society, it is about juggling good things, expected things. What could possibly go wrong with our plates so full of good things all at once? In Luke 10, verse 40, Luke describes Martha as distracted by many tasks. But Luke actually uses a different Greek word than the distracted 
word that Jesus uses in verse 42. Luke's word, it's the only time we see it uh, in the whole of scripture, combines the word peri for around with a stem that means to break. Martha was breaking all around from her many tasks. Are any of us breaking all around from too many good expected tasks? So I'm driving down Lombardy with my friend on my mind. Phone in hand, I'm scrolling for the number. I'm driving just a bit over the speed limit. I'm starting to glance more and more at the clock to figure out how much time I have to fit in for those groceries when the light on Lombardy and Grace turns yellow. As a child, I remember that yellow means slow down. I speed up instinctively because I need to get to my friends and I need to get the groceries before I get to my friends. And actually, I start to scroll just a little bit more quickly because I think, gosh, if I do make this light, I'll get to the groceries sooner and my friends sooner. I might have a little less time to talk. I really need to find this number. And as all that is happening, the car in front of me has a blinker on that looks like it's turning right. I assume they're turning right. He is actually making a U-turn in the intersection. I learn later that's perfectly legal. I think he's turning right. And, and it, honestly, at this point, my memory is a bit cloudy. But, but somehow, in my speeding up in the yellow, in the scrolling, in the clock, and the groceries, and the friend, all I know is he hits my tail end pretty hard of that Honda CRV, and I go spinning out one direction. He goes spinning out another, it would ultimately be my fault. The National Safety Council reports that cell phone use while driving contributes to, leads to 1.6 million uh, crashes a year. One out of every four wrecks, crashes in the U.S. is uh, texting and driving. And it is the leading cause of death among teenagers. And so our distracted ways are breaking us, at times even killing us. Martha was distracted, literally breaking all around from her many tasks. There are plenty of awful things that can and do destroy lives and even churches. But perhaps one thing we don't consider as much is is the many good things that can break us. Many good things that can all at once divide our attention, divide our energy, divide our time, divide it up so many ways, it does not take much for us to be broken or to break because, my goodness, we're already paper thin. And how often can this happen in the church, especially where there's always good and serving and caring and hospitable things to do, even expected And one of the telltale signs that we're not just busy with the work the Lord has put on our plate, but but in fact are distracted, divided, being broken by the many things. One of the telltale signs is bitterness. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? It's tiring, it's frustrating that no one is helping. Where's Mary? Where are the other members of the family? The other members of the church. Where's the help? 
She is giving, giving, giving so many good things, but it is actually embittering her. Good things are killing her, and so the painful irony is that Martha, the one who appears to be trying to offer hospitality, is offering, in fact, no hospitality. Not really. I mean, how how hospitable is it if you have the perfect setting, the perfect food, the perfect music, but you've got a tired, bitter host calling out her sister right in front of everybody else? How hospitable if you have a perfect church building, perfect setting, perfect service, perfect programs, and tired, strained people. Martha has a plan, of course, to fix it. Tell Mary to help me with all of this. Jesus, yeah, maybe I am better. Fix it. Fix the fact that i got to cover down all these things. Provide me with help. Provide me with people. Provide me with resources. Provide me with strength for all of the good expected things I have to do. And Jesus does not address any of the good things. Jesus does not respond by giving Martha more energy or giving Martha Mary or giving Martha some other people. Jesus does not respond with an action plan for how to better multitask with all of these pieces I think sometimes we may want Jesus to take our overly full plates and just give me strength to pull this off. Give us just a couple others to carry down on all the good things, the expected things. Expected from whom, by the way? Are we sure that every single good task is expected from us by Jesus at this very moment at the same time? You see, if if the root issue is that our hearts are distracted, divided, even breaking, then, then Jesus has no interest in assisting us in any further travel on that particular road. He is not going to equip us for further dividing ourselves even better. Just too dangerous. Indeed, I did not make it to my friend's place that night and offer a hospitable ear. I did not end up calling the congregant that night and offer any kind of hospital, hospitable empathy. I did not get the groceries that night and offer a hospitable dinner. Even the good that we pursue is crushed to nothing under the strain of a divided heart. Jesus wants nothing to do with furthering that. Instead, to an overwhelmed and divided people, Jesus invites a wholly other perspective on reality. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. And notably, that one thing's not even on Martha's plate. That is the issue. Mary has chosen the better part. And what has Mary chosen? Verse 39. She sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. She sat, she stopped moving. Multi this and that thing. Her body stopped, she settled, and she listened. It is this posture of humility, of attentiveness, of presence, of simply seeking to receive. And again, Jesus is not saying hospitality is not needful. No, it's It's essential. But Jesus knows the heart of hospitality is not how well and how much the table is set. It is about the presence of the host. How full of life and warmth and joy is the host. How present is the host. How is the heart of the host. Mary is situated before Jesus that she might 
receive. And in making that posture central, there is a sense that that somehow the many tasks she undoubtedly also has will will work out or change or shift, that somehow if we attend first to the one thing, the other things will work out in ways we could not have asked for or imagined, such as God's faithfulness, such is the promise of Scripture. And of course, Mary, having taken the time to simply receive and attend to Jesus, she then is actually letting her heart be nourished in a way that can go and offer genuine hospitality whether it be to ailing family members or traveling visitors or folks in the temple or whatever sinners come through. You see, I think a lot of us cannot often fathom how we could find time to really make it for worship, I mean, every week. Or or how we can find time with any regularity to slow and sit and listen for Jesus whether in prayer or scripture, to sit in a lingering conversation of discernment and life with the body of Jesus, to walk in the presence of Jesus through perhaps the hospitality of God's creation. Some of us cannot fathom how that could be all that regular. Let alone think even about the fourth commandment, taking taking a Sabbath where where we rest, where we settle, where we fundamentally listen and receive. But here's the good news for people who sometimes do not know how or where to begin, not with the plates that we have. Did you catch whose house it is that Jesus enters? It is Martha's house. Distracted, attention divided, breaking all around with many tasks, Martha. Into her home, Jesus makes his way. And really, he just starts acting like the host. We may this day day be overextended or tired or distracted or juggling or frenzied. We may be so far from whatever you might call holy, centered, faithful, joyful, present. And yet Jesus finds the center of just such a house. Our mess does not scare him or turn him away. He is here. He is, in fact, the host come to teach, come to give, come to fill. I invite you to take this worship service as a yellow light and take it as a child. Amen.